Um, I can just, you know, imagine a, a future or imagine a world where, you know, the best and brightest people are the ones who, not it, it's not like it's one person going to teach everyone, but like providing platforms where there are no borders. Like why, why do we have to have a border, you know, that only you go to this teacher because you just happen to live near that person? Like there are no borders. We don't have to have borders. We've proven it. And that might mean that the best teachers become even more available to everyone. And it might mean that for the very first time, people who don't even have a teacher can get a teacher. And I think that's, that's amazing. And like critics of that would say, um, well, I, I, there should be a teacher in every school, but that doesn't work. Good teaching on that type of scenario doesn't scale. It only scales with the internet. And I think that's, um, that's really exciting. This is the Biz Edcast with your host, Nathan Horn. Hello and welcome to another episode of the PhysEdCast. My name is Nathan Horn from iPhysEd.com and welcome back to the PhysEdCast. Do you like our new intro music? Um, I thought it was only apt that we'd had such a big break from uh, putting out episodes that it was time for a refresh and some new uh, intro music. So I hope you enjoyed that. Um, it has been a little while since our last episode, but uh, we're back with a bang. And my guest today is none other than the PE geek himself, Jared Robinson. You probably have heard of him if you're listening to this uh, podcast, but Jared is uh, based in uh, country Victoria in Australia, um, and he really has a passion for emerging technology and how technology can enhance teaching, um, general life, and physical education in particular. Uh, he's been very, very successful in this in this area and has run his website, thepegeek.com, for a number of years now. He also is the founder of the Connected PE community and recently has branched out and become an author uh, authoring a book which you'll talk about in this episode. Jared is uh, somewhat of a mentor of mine um, and I'm also lucky to call him a really good friend. Um, It's great to catch up with him um, and sort of chat a little bit about his background, his passion, how COVID has affected uh, physical education and education generally in the world. Um, and this episode, I, I really enjoyed recording it. I think you're going to get a lot out of it as I chat with Jared Robinson about the future of physical education. Jared, how's it going? Yeah, man. Always good to talk. Yeah, it's great to have you with us today. So um, I know we go back a long way, uh, many years now. Uh, we've connected, uh, and I guess we connected first online and then we've, we've been lucky enough to meet in person a few times uh but for those people that are coming across you for the first time which i would uh, guess is not many people at all if they're listening to this um who is who is jared robinson the pe geek uh, um well you know I, i'm trying to think back to when we did first meet face to face i think it was in singapore potentially and it was probably at a workshop for memory and um you know that that's really been a big part of my story you know the the uh, helping teachers around the world use technology in their PE classrooms. And, and really that's, that's sort of what I identify most, you know, about, and, you know, at a certain point in time, my classroom practice had evolved into a blog and a website. And um, eventually people started to sort of follow what I did in that space and, you know, would come to workshops or listen to our podcast or blog or webinars or whatever. And I think that's how we eventually ended up meeting in person and, um, realistically, that's that's really what what I've been doing for the last ten plus years is just talking about technology and phys ed, or in the most recent sort of iterations, just talking about how technology has this enormous transformative capacity in the lives of teachers, um, not just through their own teaching, but just to make their lives better. Um, and that's sort of been made a little bit more present and obvious as we've gone through the last what is it six months in the COVID world. Um, how important tech has been. Yeah, I think we're getting up on nearly a year if you think that it, it started in China in, in January or whatever. So we're, we're pushing we're pushing a year there. And we'll, we'll definitely get to that COVID stuff um, a little bit later because I want to uh, find out some of your thoughts around that. But um, I think you've what you've just described is, you know, many years of, of evolution. And, and um, I think it's easy to forget that you started in a very small school 
in a like a rural area as a, as a PE teacher. So like, take us back to take us back to those days. Like, what was what was Jared Robinson coming out of university teaching in a school? Like, what 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 was that situation like? Well, he he couldn't get a job. I remember that distinctly. So, you know, applying for jobs and just being quite difficult because I was picking the you know big hub cities and in um, the, the sort of state that I live in, Victoria, in Australia. And um, then, yeah, my net got cast a little wider and I ended up at a place that I would never imagine that I would end up. And that is a very small school uh, in, a, in a town called Bort, B-O-O-R-T. And I'd never heard of it and I'd grown up not that far away from it. And, it, yeah, the town population is about a 1,000. And that's sort of representative of the wider farm community that traveled into it. So in many ways, like going there was not something that I'd ever considered, but it's, it was the biggest blessing I think ever because just by the nature of the school and the location and the staff and all that sort of stuff, you end up getting thrust into a lot more responsibility than if I had have gone to a, a larger school and there was 20 staff, you know, there was like two or three PE teachers and um, you're expected to take on a bit more and in and sort of in there lies what happened with um, you know me eventually deciding that I wanted to blog and podcast and do all these different bits and pieces it was it was sort of just fell into place because of the opportunity I had at the small school but um, yeah you never know what you're getting yourself into do you no, not at all. And yeah, like I know I've, I've spoken a lot before on this podcast and, and through other uh, mediums online about, you know, my experience um, in a variety of, of different schools and different positions that weren't even PE. And, and yeah, you definitely all of those things contribute to uh, the teacher that you become. So so starting in a, in a situation like the one that you started in, I'm guessing you needed to be to be innovative in, in certain ways. And you talked about starting a blog and, and sort of uh, starting a website and stuff like that. Like what was the, what was the impetus behind that? Like why, why did you start it? What did you hope to achieve by doing that? Yeah, great question. I, I do remember like mid-year, so the first six months of my teaching, I was very much living on what I'd learned at uni, you know, which is great. Like I'd learned, you know, the traditional sort of PE teacher types of stuff that most of us would identify with. And then when I sort of got six months in, I started to feel a bit more confident that I could maybe try some, some different things. And I think at that stage, Twitter came out. It was about April in 2007 when I, um, sorry, 2008, my first year. Yeah, that's right. So I jumped on that sort of bandwagon and um, there wasn't anyone PE wise talking. I remember that very distinctly, but there were people talking about just general technology use in the classroom. And I sort of rode that wave about, you know, okay, well you can give students the chance to blog and you can give them a chance to, you know, be reflective. And there's all these amazing web 2.0 tools that were around at the time and some that still exist and others that, that no longer exist. And I just got really interested in that. And because I had such flexibility and freedom, I was able to sort of use them how I felt they might be appropriate in my teaching. And that's when I really started to get interested in, um, in, in teaching full stop. Like the first six months I'd enjoyed it, but I felt like I was following someone else's plan, if that makes sense. And then that sort of second half of that first year, I was like, wow, this is, this is me sort of tuning into what I would do naturally. And, um, and that sort of led from there. And I, I did a blog I'm not even sure why I'll go back and read it now. And I mean, it's still there. I don't really sort of get the point of the, the post, but um, it sort of taught me a little bit about this whole world. And, and then I got a, a comment, actually, someone did leave a comment on that blog. And I found out many years later that um, it was actually a spam comment. It wasn't a real genuine comment, but this comment funnily enough is the fuel that led me to write my second post. And then, you know, third and fourth and so on. And, um, you know, eventually ended up on a stage where I quite enjoyed it. And there was people who were following along um, for those ideas. But, yeah, it was a very humble sort of uh, journey, if that makes sense. Just wanting to explore some new ways to do stuff that people did in the PE classroom. Yeah, for sure. And I think if I reflect on my, I guess, experience with with you and, and before knowing you and sort of know, like seeing your stuff online and then meeting you and sort of getting to know you a bit better over the past uh probably you know like 
probably seven, eight, nine years now. I think that there's been one thing that that has been um, a pretty common thread through there is that while it might may seem that a lot of the work you're doing is, is very like uh, forward thinking or futuristic, um, it's all grounded in in wanting to to do better by uh, the, either the students that you're serving or the teachers that you're trying to help. That that there's that it's not about just trying to find the next fancy thing. It's about actually finding things that are going to help people. Um, so I don't know if you can touch a little bit on, on sort of that philosophy that you yeah, have. I, I think, you know, there's a trial and error philosophy in there too. And um, I'm a big fan of that, like failing first and failing fast and moving on to, onto it. Um, you know, and I, at the heart of it is it is generally a desire that I think there are ways that you can do stuff better. And that's not to dismiss the way stuff is done and, and so on. But, um, you know, some of the things that have dis- we discovered in the early days, people just do now as part of their practice. Like, you know, it's very common to have a website that you distribute content to or people submit stuff. But back then it was a million times more difficult. And we were sort of just very, um, it was, it was very early days in that sort of journey. So yeah, along that journey, there's certainly been things that I've tried and thought, this is like, what am I doing this for? This is not this is not good, but um, I, I'm of that mindset that um, you, you won't know until you try. And, you know, uh, students are pretty forgiving. People tend to to think that they couldn't possibly try something new or, or fail in front of their group of students because um, they're supposed to be an expert or whatever that nonsense is that some teachers subscribe to. But um, I never felt like that. Like I actually um, quite relished in in that learner mode that they're in and sort of that was the breeding ground for a lot of that stuff really if you look at it i like technology but realistically i i much more prefer that experimentation and trying things and seeing how that works out and innovating on that and reflecting on that and like refining it that's really at the heart of what this is what this is that i like it's just technology is one of the vessels that i use to achieve that yeah i think it's interesting because i know for me i think like a lot of people as they get exposed to new technologies and and uh, you know with the rise of of ipads and apps and all all of those uh sort of great things i don't know definitely for me i got sucked up into that world of like just finding like the next thing to use and it probably was a couple of years of that like wanting to to find that 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 next great app or that next great um way to use technology and and trying to take shortcuts with technology um, and it hasn't been until, you know, the last probably four or five years that, that I've, I've sort of taken a step back and realized that sometimes that's not the best way to do things. And, and I feel like I was caught up in a world of like wanting to, to find that next best thing. And I didn't really have that, that grounded, um, bigger picture idea of, you know, how is this actually helping people? How is this actually helping students? It was something that interested me, but sometimes the students couldn't care less. Yeah. There's a nice, the there's a nice balancing act there and. Um, there's certainly been moments where I've slipped on the other side and you know, chasing a personal interest or whatever. And because um, I do like to learn, that's a big part of this too. I personally, I'm a massive fan of learning and um, yeah. So discovering something and then trying it and reporting on it and, you know, being quick to realize that it's not the best approach or it is a, something worth exploring further is, is very, very much at the heart of this. And, you know, one thing that we also championed here in this time was, like we would be the people who did all the trial and error for people. And that's not to say that everything that we discovered also applied in every context for other people, but um, the PE Geek site grew organically to be a, a test ground or a, you know, a, a place where people could talk about stuff that they, in a podcast form or in the, on the blog that was seemingly working or worth exploring. And it just meant that other people didn't have to do that, that sort of um, down in the dirt, hunting around like we enjoyed so as our resources grew that's sort of something that we um rolled out if that sort of makes sense yeah i I remember like vividly like just like hanging on and waiting for that next you know best apps for pe blog post that was going to come out of the pe geek and and then immediately downloading them and 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 you know thinking like oh wow yeah this one's really going to work for me or this one's not and like it was definitely you know at that time there were a lot of people um that were exposed to to a lot of different technologies um, through the PE Geek website that I think 
improved practice, um, made people more aware of the possibilities of, of what was possible using technology. Well, that's the, um, in that's a physical the catch cry that we've really space. sort of gone with over the years. And it's, you know, the, the concept of it's now possible is, is really what we'd want people to think about. Like this, and you mentioned it, like just having this idea of being exposed to something as the first step and then being able to be thinking, well, this might work for me or it may not. That's all we ever wanted to sort of bring to light, give people the opportunity to reflect on things and and um, you never know what you discover. And if I think back to a lot of tools that we might've spoken about, you know, first or whatever, they're big tools that people now sort of have as their mainstays or, um, you know, they're still around with us. So if we've helped people discover some things along the way, then I think um, I'm quite happy. Yeah, definitely. And I can guarantee you, you definitely helped me. And I know you helped a lot of other people out there um, sort of discover technology as a, as a tool in their arsenal as a teacher. You, you've sort of, that's how you started. Um, you were, you know, working in the school, you, you had the website, you were doing the podcast. Um, when did you start sort of running professional development for teachers? And how did that sort of come about? Well, that led from one to the next in, in many ways. Like if, if you start talking about technology then obviously people want to know more and a common way that happens in the education space is there's professional learning and you know so it wasn't long before I think in the first year even I you know someone said hey do you mind coming and sharing this to this group of people and you know I did and it was terrifying um, you know having to talk to your peers and so forth and then eventually it just did that more and more and it got to a stage where um, you know people overseas were asking for that type of type of thing to happen and um yeah we sort of really got into that space and um i think over the duration of the however long it was i was really traveling and doing workshops and um, i probably ran the peer geek workshop in you know 200 plus times or more and at least in well it has to have been but in 42 countries all up so um was able to travel quite a bit and work with lots of teachers but like the secret here and it's a massive secret is that you know i was able to learn heaps from those face-to-face interactions with teachers all around the planet Um, whether it's from my email whether it's from um, people attending workshops but like going to one and seeing what people are doing and what challenges people had was just sort of like the the secret power that led me down the path of being able to be even more helpful Um, so yeah reverse engineering what seemed to be working and then being able to deliver that back to people as we went from place to place was, um, yeah, it was a big part of, of, you know, helping as much as we possibly could, but it just very organic, Nathan, if I, if I have to think back, like, you know, what was the catalyst? It wasn't really, it just sort of happened and eventually it became the thing that it is. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know for a fact, like there, there were times where like you were jumping on a plane, like Friday night, flying internationally and then coming back and, and going back to school Monday morning. Right. I think about that now blows my mind um, because, you know, I would kill for a bit more sleep um, as you would attest to with a couple of young kids running around. But um, yeah, I would. So I would finish on the, the Friday night and, and it, you know, the, I think the craziest one I did was Dubai uh, and back. It was a long weekend. So we had an extra day off, but you know, while everyone was going home to enjoy their long weekend, I was flying over to the Middle East to run a workshop and then come back home. And yeah, I did that for quite a period of time bef- and before I, it's just became a little bit too much to try and um, manage. And it wasn't that it was too much time wise because I was happy with that. It was enjoyable. I enjoyed the work. Um, it was that there was sides that were not getting the full attention that they could have. Like when I was at school, I was in school mode for sure but I was not able to help as many people as I possibly could have because we were only able to do certain amounts of workshops at certain times. Um, so it was really limiting and I had to make a choice at that stage. So that choice that you made at that point uh, was to, to step away from, from full-time teaching? Yeah, you might remember the 2015 um, National PE Institute where you, myself and a few others attended and um that was the the moment when we went off on like a six month like global trip and we had lots of um lots of workshops tied together throughout that journey um around the planet i think we went to like maybe 20 countries it was mental over six months and yeah that was a realization that you know when i got back from that 
Like we had the opportunity to help far more people than I could have ever helped if um, I was in that classroom. And that wasn't diminishing the work that I did when I was working in a school um, because, you know, you're working with students and I think that's the most important job. But it was very disheartening to see emails from people who wanted us to do something for them or run a session for them. And we couldn't do it because I was boxed into a certain, um, only a, a small amount of time made available for that. So it was a, yeah, it was really about me being able to give more to one of those scenarios. Um, and, you know, I knew that there would be teachers who would replace me in the school setting, but I, I felt like I had something to provide to people outside of that. And that, uh, that trip started pretty well for you, didn't it? Like in terms of landing at the right airport? <laughs> There were some chaotic moments throughout that um, journey, for sure. I, I think you remember some of them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think uh, I think for those people that have been to the PE Institute, it is uh, hosted in Asheville, North Carolina. And I think you flew into was it Greenville, North Carolina, maybe? Yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, yeah, we, few, we got there. A few in hours the away. Yeah, we definitely <laughs> got there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that big trip, I know you did uh, a bunch of workshops there and, and we were able to travel pretty extensively around around the world and, and help out a bunch of teachers. Um, after that, was it was did Connected P sort of, was it, was Connected P alive before that or that sort of came out of that trip? Uh, it was, the very first time I ever used that name was to describe a workshop that I did in Japan. And that was in 2012. And it was just called Connected PE. And so that was the sort of first iteration of that. But um, yeah, throughout that sort of journey, it was the plan was that there's far more to PE than just talking about technology in PE. Um, and so obviously we had a master group of people that were PE teachers who also had other needs. And in that time that I was away, I was sort of, you know, um, able to bring to life that connected PE um, com and the connected PE membership which you know still runs today and is the main thing that we do and um yeah that's what something you've presented many times to us uh through and you know face to face and in person and you know anytime i produce content as the pe geek i do it underneath that connected pe sort of banner that umbrella and um yeah then we just go out and find other people much smarter than us or me, I should say, to teach other things. And we just provide a platform for distributing that content. Sort of like Netflix does with TV shows and movies and stuff. We sort of just do that, but for PE content and get you know people like yourself to come on and share. Yeah, it's an amazing, amazing platform and, and something that uh, I know you spend a lot of time uh, setting up and, and building. And um, it, I know that you've recently branched off into to another sort of um, role and, and that's as an author. Um, the name of the book that you've just published is? Uh, it's The Teacherpreneur. So Becoming a Teacherpreneur. And it's, it is, it's very much the journey of, in many ways, some of the stuff that we might have spoken about here now. But, you know, along the years, I would get asked by people, you know, how did you do this or that? And, um, you know, it's, it's a little bit of an insight into how, but mostly, you know, it's it's touching on this concept of, you know, I think all teachers can be teacherpreneurs and um, and sort of a bit of a, a strategy session in the book around how how they might be able to achieve that. Yeah, definitely. I think like the what you, what you've explained to us, and and I mean, I, I know this story, um, but for people that are hearing this story for the first time, definitely like you've started as someone who was a teacher, had a passion. Uh, was interested in learning more, was able to translate that into being able to help um, a wider audience of people. Um, and then from there now taking that even further with with the online possibility, like you talked about doing face-to-face -face, uh, professional development, but then having Connected P as uh, sort of online professional development that's, you know, like you said, Netflix on demand when people want it, they can watch it in their pajamas if they, if they want to. Um, yeah. Like you've, yeah, you've become, you've taken that, that teacherpreneur idea. Um, and it's really interesting because we're in this situation now with, with COVID and, and with this pandemic that now teachers are being forced to embrace technology. They have no choice. They're, they're either, you know, at home, 
teaching their, their kids at home or, you know, they're at school and all their kids are at, um, in a different spot and, and they have to use technology. So, I mean, you're, you're ahead of the curve there in terms of being able to sort of envision maybe, I mean, I don't think anyone thought that we'd ever been in a situation that we're in, but you have all the, the, the tools and the, the, the resources there available to be able to help people um, in these situations right now. Like, how do you see the, the tools that you have, the resources that you have and the experience you have being able to help people in, in the situation that they're in now in terms of, of this COVID pandemic? Yeah, you know, like obviously no one would have anticipated. Well, I mean, Bill Gates did. Bill, Bill Gates did say there would be another Smart man. pandemic at some stage. And, you know, of course there would have been, but I don't think we were quite ready for it, um, you know, realistically. But, yeah, for me, the, the thing that I've observed over the last sort of five, ten years is that um, there's there's definitely a, like this um, sort of digitization of everything, everything that's happening in, in society is being digitized and it's being demonetized. It's like the three D's of disruptions, like digitization, and then you can demonetize it, um, you know, and then it sort of becomes basically free and super accessible and that type of approach. So way back when I was thinking about connected PE, it was like, well, this is definitely going to happen to education and it's going to happen more and more. And no matter what people have personal opinions about it, it will definitely happen. And, you know, you end up in a stage where things are hugely disrupted. So, you know, first step, digitize something, second step, it's like demonetize it. And that's like disruption. Um, and like what that translates into is, um, you know, you can digitize learning, like, but it doesn't really sort of take effect until other, other factors come into play. And we've seen that recently. It's sort of, you know, it's really sort of had to become necessary. So I'd, I'd know, I'd sort of been casting that long net thinking, well, this is going to happen at one stage. And one thing that's going to become more difficult is people to get released to do face-to-face sort of professional learning. And that's because it will get more expensive and it's going to be more, more barrier for people to learn. And that's probably the wrong approach. So if you look at all the conferences that people attend, like do those fees seem to go up every year? Sure. They do. And it becomes more expensive to get out of school because there's less staff and, you know, it's more expensive to travel. And when you really do the math on it, like um, attending a professional learning event is not cheap, which means it's not very accessible which means maybe it doesn't have that much impact, um, you know, when you think about planetary sort of scale and so forth. So along that train of thought was me sort of stepping away from that more face-to-face stuff, not completely, but um, a big part of it and thinking, well, what would a scaled, infinitely scalable option look like? And, you know, that's where that whole, whole online connected PE option came from. And, and it's the, the thinking is definitely still along the idea of like demonetization. Like it should be free at some point. It shouldn't have, it's very cheap at the moment because of economies of scale, but one day it should be free. And that's just in line with all of the other things that are happening in the world. You know, you used to have to pay for a DVD and watch it and then get another DVD and watch it. But now you just pay for a subscription and you get access to all of it. Um, and over time, that stuff keeps getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And the same thing will happen with um, stuff involved in education. So, I was going to say, I've definitely seen over the past, you know, six months to a year, there's been an explosion in, uh, I guess, online content being produced and, and um, pushed out and, and sold. And I know things like Teachers Pay Teachers. And there's so many different uh, options now for for people who are looking for that sort of online stuff. And I mean, I have some thoughts around that as well in terms of, you know, like it, it, it's very easy to go and just find something and then try and use it. And maybe it doesn't apply to your situation as, as much as it does. So th- there's that sort of idea, but you know, like if you're a PE teacher who's looking for help and looking for, for ideas, you know, how do you navigate through all that, that, that stuff? Because there's so much stuff out there right now. Yeah. There's definitely a mountain of things. And that, like you said, presents other, challenges of filtering and but you know good teachers have always had access to resources and always had to you know filter the best teachers do that anyway um now we've just got much more abundant of opportunities and you know smart people um you know that we can learn from and 
like I've said this before, but I don't think good teaching scales. I, I really don't. Like I, I, it's probably controversial, but um, there are so many teachers in the planet and only, I'm not going to, I don't know percentages, but like some of them just phone it in. They don't care. They, the ones listening to this podcast, I would say are in the ladder, but there's, there's a lot of people that don't. So like we are in, entering into this space now where it's entirely feasible we've sort of seen this that you could have the best teachers on the planet teaching the students and like we should be comfortable with this idea that it's not doesn't have to be us the whole time producing every piece of content that we put in front of our students like being able to sort of outsource some of it to you know fantastic experts in a certain area is is very much in line with what happens in the real world so um, that's the only way we can really scale the best teaching is to um, you know, make that available to everyone. Like just imagine a scenario where someone, Nathan Horn, teaches not just to the people at his school, but 30,000 kids via the internet. And you're like, well, why don't they just teach, have someone in their local school teach them? Well, that person might not be that good. And, or they might not even have a school that they can go to. Um, you know, there's millions, I think it's about a billion kids that don't have school as like a very reliable sort of um, thing that they can go to. It's enormous number. So it's, yeah, like that's part of the thinking here. It's like, you know, we look at it at this very Western level of thinking, oh, well, we should be looking at that and making sure it works for us. Um, but at the very same time, it's like, um, you know, imagine if we could sort of efficiently coordinate the teaching resources of the planet through the internet in a way that meant the scale was enormous and we're able to really impact um, people um, and get them out, you know, get the learning outcomes that we need. And then people say, well, what about jobs? Well, imagine if you now don't have to have the burden of teaching every single thing face-to-face and being sort of that sage on the stage, but you now can work a bit more one-on-one while that expert or whoever it is is sort of delivering content so that that sort of stuff really excites me like um, the internet is a huge opportunity to really make good teaching um, scale and um, yeah that's that's the sort of stuff I think about yeah no for sure and I know that there was a lot of like pushback um, at the start of of this whole pandemic with the the whole Joe Wicks uh, phenomenon and, and people saying, well, he's not really teaching PE and like, why is he doing this? And he understood, he understood exactly what you were talking about, that he could have an impact and that he could help people that needed to be helped. Um, so like, I know a lot of people were really upset about, about that situation. You know, he's not a PE teacher. He's not teaching the kids. He's doing physical activity, but he was feeling a need at the time. And I think like good on him. Yeah. No, I think people can be very critical of that that particular um, scenario, but, um, you know, like at, yeah, at least he was feeling some need, which was the physical activity component. So let's imagine if you're the teacher now who's freed up of that burden from needing to just get them to move and you've now got a bit more space and meant, you know, opportunity to do something a bit more thoughtful. Like, does it seem a bit more efficient than everyone trying to repeat the same things like in their own little silos? I think it does. And I think the internet is a great way to coordinate on mass um, talent in a way. And it just hasn't really been done. Like we've sort of seen the starting points of it, but um, I can just, you know, imagine a, a future or imagine a world where, you know, the best and brightest people are the ones who, not it, it's not like it's one person going to teach everyone, but like providing platforms where there are no borders. Like why, why do we have to have a border? you know, that only you go to this teacher because you just happen to live near that person. Like there are no borders. We don't have to have borders. We've proven it. And that might mean that the best teachers become even more available to everyone. And it might mean that for the very first time, people who don't even have a teacher can get a teacher. And I think that's, that's amazing. And like critics of that would say, um, well, there should be a teacher in every school, but that doesn't work. Good teaching on that type of scenario doesn't scale it only scales with the internet. And I think that's, um, that's really exciting. Yeah. So, I mean, we've talked a little bit about like your vision here for, for what the future could be and, and with, with the pandemic and, and, and we've talked about, you know, the positives to come out of that. Like, what do you, what do you see, I guess, 
two parts to this question. What do you see being like the biggest positive to come out of this for, for physical education? But at the same time, what do you what do you think the danger is? What could we like fall back into once this uh, pandemic is, is over? Well, I'm going to start by saying the danger would go back to business as normal. Like it doesn't have to be. I, and that's not rubbishing anything that people do. I, there's amazing stuff that that should remain and continue. But there's this sort of um, trap and I've, you know, I've seen it and noticed it that, um, you know, people are just going straight back to how it was pre COVID world. And it doesn't have to, like, there's some really good stuff that's come out of this that, you know, maybe we should look at how it works, like a bit more flexibility in delivery of content, different modes of mediums, like some people using synchronous stuff and asynchronous and combining that stuff together. And then they're just going to go straight back to just doing full synchronous you know, in a classroom when some places have found that students have actually done better in different scenarios. So I think it would be just, it would be very disheartening to see people not even take any learnings from the last, you know, however long it's been and, and just go straight back to how it was like it never happened because inevitably a pandemic, not even that will probably happen again in the future, but what definitely will happen is we're going to find it, you know, more and more difficult to um, to do things in an impactful way without the internet playing a role. Like we're just going to realize that how much more efficient it can be if we were to pull some resources and um, and so on. And yeah, that would be a real shame. Like, just think about the like, I if you'd thought about it at the start of the year, people would be doing and delivering content like this. You would say no way that's not going to happen like people are out of their comfort just, zone doing things they've never imagined like it's crazy isn't it yeah just the fact that like the whole world within the space of a couple of weeks all of a sudden like everyone's working mental. from home like crazy. like and yeah just like you say the idea that we would just all go back to the office and work in an stupid, office again when we've been able to be be ever. able to work yeah exactly so i mean that's my that's my hope and like i, w- I was talking to some other teachers the other day about it. And, and even in, in my school, there's like, we've changed so much, even since we've been back face to face in terms of what we teach, how we teach, why we teach it. It's really forced us in my school, at least to, to think like, Hey, like, why did we do like, why do we teach this? Like, why do we even have this unit? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, and then the answer to the question is always, well, we've always done it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, so like sure. actually having that, that time away, um, one of the big things that I've seen come out of this is, you know, I, I think within the physical education space, we, we talk all the time about, well, you know, we, we, what we want to do is we want to get kids to love being physically active and learn how to move their body and find things that they really enjoy and, and are meaningful to them. And then we go and teach the same six units every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I've noticed is that like through this pandemic that, you know, like kids now, have been forced to find those those meaningful movement experiences for them because they're stuck at home. They don't have the opportunity to go and like play in the sports teams or yeah. like have the school sport and stuff like that. So it's completely flipped the just like life in general. Yeah, necessity breeds innovation. And like, you know, there's no better time to have seen that than recently, you know, teachers like thinking how they're going to be able to do what they do and like some incredible stuff comes as a result of that and i think the trap would be that everyone just goes back to normal and next minute they're there again and it's five days a week this time at this time move between these rooms it doesn't have to be it does not have to be that and then the same type of conversations would happen where you know it's like we don't have enough money we can't employ this type of person we haven't got enough staff not enough resources why like we we could organize this stuff a bit more effectively and maybe we have seen the first start of that possibility um forced upon us um, because it's only going to happen it's just guaranteed to get more expensive to to run schools in the same way that they've been running for hundreds of years one way that we can maybe change that and you know deliver better learning would be to think a bit more covid like like how did we deliver it and how could we do that in a mixed fashion where you know, maybe they're there three days a week and some of the other day, like, does that make sense? Like re-engineering the whole experience um, in a way that is a bit more flexible, a bit more mindful of people, a bit more individual, like you pointed out with, um, you know, what they had to do on their own, but, you know, not dismissing the fact that they absolutely should be 
in some capacity with other people but um i don't know there's a there's been a lot of positives and i just hope that people you know take some time to think about them not just individual schools but like on a larger scale yeah so that was leads really well into my next question is you know we, we talked about you know going back to where you started and and you know probably at the, the first website you hosted like what was that even hosted on was that like GeoCities or something like that uh, yeah I, that's when that's when i was like 16 learning how to make html websites uh, you know in my spare time whatever a 16 year old kid does but for me it was like making some internet websites about athletics and um it sort of led from there so i always had that interest and then when i you know went to high school graduating or whatever it was like what will i like to do i'd like to be a pe teacher and i'd like to learn about tech hence pe and, and technology teacher sort of came from there yeah so you've gone from you've gone from like the very beginnings of of the internet and the very sort of start of of technology becoming more common in in the educational setting because probably before that time like i remember when and we're around the same age i remember when i was at school like you'd be lucky to have like one one computer in a classroom um you go off to the computer lab um and you'd have your you know 45 minutes or an hour in the computer lab um through to a time where you know we're carrying supercomputers in our pockets it, there's no surprise or no secret why pe teachers never use tech like because you couldn't, you had a lab. That was how it worked. So the structure of environment led to the opportunities. Um, and we've, yeah, that's going to continue. That will not change. Yeah. So now we, we have this access and we have this opportunity fast forward, you know, another 10, 15 years, what, like, where do you see physical education going and, and how does technology support that? Well, obviously things like this are, are theories rounded in, well, what, what is happening in the in the wider world and what role might that play in in teaching in general and then you can think about how that might apply to to phys ed but um there is certainly you would hope that people are still moving like that's you know that's the fundamental thing that we do if you think about it like getting people to move and and be active so let's 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 assume that still happens but we've just got an array of other other tools at our disposal um, that we can that we can use and leverage and I don't know like what is getting better and better and is something that people are very dismissive of but will be enormously beneficial to society and also terrifying uh, is artificial intelligence and people look at it and think well, what like it, it seems so it seems lame at the moment for the most part um, you know you've got basic artificial intelligence in your in your phone when you ask siri or talk to google um but it's very hard for us to perceive what that might be like um in sort of like educational contexts and um i think that's pretty exciting like you can imagine that ai would become more of a a role in the classroom and you know obviously teachers amass a huge amount of data all the time and it's up to them to try and interpret what that data means um wouldn't it be great if there was like you know an ai that did that like just provider recommendations based on the data that was fed into it um, about students so maybe you have a super power in terms of just being able to identify things that are happening in your classroom um, you know whether that's learning related stuff or whether that's other metrics behavior or emotional or whatever that may be being out being able to have all this data presented in a way that you can take action on that would be a pretty cool superpower to have i, I would imagine yeah definitely i, I... I couldn't agree with you. I think that I think you talk about it being dismissed. I think, yeah, like it's happening right now. It's, it's happening all the time. Sure. I mean, you see it like even simple things like, you know, you talk about something with somebody and, and your phone shouldn't be listening to you, but it does because the next thing you know, the thing you've been talking about pops up on your, on your phone as an ad. So, you know, it, the technology is there and I think you're right. It's just going to become more and more, uh, pervasive to to our everyday life um and, and with that it's sort of into education as well like um in terms of like all the things that we've been talking about and you've been talking about is you know there are better ways to do things and and there are ways to save time and Definitely. and just to be more efficient yeah no and like and obviously if i said to you what's the ideal education that a student has like what would you say if i if like if you could do anything what would that look like for someone? Like, what, what would you probably say? 
just to help them have a have a good life and and to you know be good people and be so able like to contribute to society personalized yeah. for them or uh, you know like sort of generalized like we tend to do way yeah personalized for sure yeah that's part of what like i i think is really exciting about the potential of ai in in education is that you we actually could get to a scenario where you can do true personalization of education experiences like with with a, in a manner that was so fluid that it was the best particular thing for that student so I mean, there's already people doing this in like very early stages, but being able to teach things using artificial intelligence to people and then use biometrics and other factors, the data coming from people that um, helps them know whether or not someone has actually understood something like the data, you know, as they answer questions along the way and other factors. I'm not saying everyone's going to be wearing heart rate monitors and so on, but we do tend to give off clues around um, information that we are learning about and um, it's not inconceivable that you could get to a stage where you have absolute personalized education that's bespoke to a student um, and you know not necessarily all delivered digitally and via AI but has a big role in like making sure that student B didn't understand this so here's three other ways that it's been taught to people who are like that and you know you end up in a very different space to what we do now, which is a person saying, well, here's how you do this or what that looks like. And then being a, like sort of at the burden of having to do that to every other kid. One-to-one, -one, very difficult, isn't it? In, in our setting. Yeah. yeah. Like truly, Definitely. like where you spend an actual full amount of time. Like well, we, we could do that. We could absolutely do that with, um, with AI and like it's, it will happen and still early days, but um, that sort of stuff is what really excites me. Great. Well, I feel like we could continue with this conversation for, for hours, um, but I am conscious of time. Um, so as we sort of wrap up our conversation, um, I'd like to finish with a few sort of quick questions and, and quick answers that, you know, I'm just going to shoot a question at you and just give me the first thing that, that pops into, into your mind. So um, the first one would be, what's something that people don't know about Jared Robinson? Hmm. <laughs> Um, I am a, a fairly, uh, active hip hop head. So they may not know this, um, but that's my, that's one of my big hobbies. It's been with me since I was 16 and like right into hip hop history. And, um, that's pretty much the only music genre that I listen to. You might've known that, but, um, not a lot of people tend to. And, um, yeah, that's my thing. Yeah, I know you're a big Eminem fan, but you know, who is he your favorite favorite artist or? Oh, uh, yeah, lyrically, like I'm a massive fan of the lyrics that make up hip hop songs. So, you know, someone who can piece words together in a way that makes them rhyme and tell a story and do that in sort of like a really, um, you know, melodic flowy type of way is is exactly what I like. And there's no one better than him for that. So, yeah, massive hip hop. And, and what and what are we listening to right now? What's what's top of the top of the chart right now i go through at the moment i'm i'm down memory lane so listening to you know some stuff from like the the last 10 years type stuff but i'm always keeping up on it and um you know it's it's just for me that's the stuff that i love like tuning into lyrics and hearing metaphors and um you know like the the, the special things they do to make rhymes work and have um double entendres and that type of stuff which some people might not hear that's all I hear when I listen to the music um, that I like. Constantly learning, my man. <laughs> Love it. All right. So next one would be uh, you get in a time machine and either go back in time or go forward in time to, to anywhere um, and meet anyone. Where, who, what, why? Wow. Um, that, yeah, that's a good one because if I, if I went – like I, I think like like meeting someone like Steve Jobs would be like for me would be pretty would be pretty awesome um, just because of I think those type of people who build the future are the ones that I really sort of identify with. And that's not to say that that's what I do like, but I do like to think about the future and like what it might look like, and um, you know maybe there would be some stuff to learn to learn from people like that. But I think I'd be probably be more inclined to go to the future just because like, I like thinking about what things might be like. Um, 
in in you know in the five ten years time and um, I'd love to be able to see what that was before other people yeah that sort of goes with everything we've been talking about over the last uh, the last hour <laughs> yeah all right and the last question um, all right you've got uh, you got 60 seconds you have the entire world's attention what is it that you're gonna tell them Wow that's that's a the whole world so we're not just talking about education now we're talking everyone in the whole world jeez that's a that's a difficult one um, yeah oh okay well, let's go education so let's start we'll start easy education what would you tell the education world like mm. I, I, I my big underpinning philosophy is um, is that it's okay not to know you know it's it's okay to be a learner that probably applies very much globally too like i think people get caught up in this expertise world where they have to know everything and like we, we sort of build up experts don't we um but i think it's okay to be a learner and a beginner and acknowledge that and own that and um i think if more people were happy enough to be complete beginners and unknown and just like own that and be happy about that i think that would be a good thing um because yeah there's a tendency to avoid things or avoid new experiences or avoid opportunities because they don't know and um there's so much to gain from you know being being that learner again or being completely in the unknown um, and I've tried to put myself in those positions as much as possible. And I, I feel like that you benefit from them. So uh, I think we can apply that to, to the globe. Uh, don't be afraid to be that beginner again. Great. I, th I don't think there's a better way to uh, sort of wrap things up than that. And I think it, it definitely sums up uh, my sort of journey to, to get to know you. And, and definitely, you know, you're the PE geek. Everybody looked at you and was like oh this guy's the expert but as i got to know you more and more i realized that you know you you were learning just as much as everybody else and you're continuing to learn and and the whole idea behind everything that you do through the pe geek through connected pe through all the other avenues that you have is, is all around you know how can you improve and how can you then help other people improve as well so um a huge thank you from me uh for for all the support that you've given me across uh the last uh, number of years but also for giving Pleasure. up your time to, to chat with us today on on the phys ed cast um for those people that are still listening um if you've bared with us to this point um what's the best way to, to get in touch with you should they uh, want to reach out to you and if they have any questions yeah, probably just head to the pegeek.com and you can use live chat on the site there and um, hit me up and it comes straight through to me or just follow me on Twitter at Mr. Robbo. Great. Well, Jared, thank you so much again for, for chatting with me today. It's been an absolute pleasure um, and I look forward to catching up with you again sometime soon. Anytime, mate. Speak soon.